Son of a bitch! Those odds. How's it going, everybody? It's Eat Sleep Elite. It's Bro, double or nothing. Good? I'm I'm fucking keeping <laughs> well, that you in. Better leave that shit in. I'm keeping that in. I'm trying to click it. It wasn't going. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. This might be our uh, best dude, intro ever. <laughs> as you know, uh AEW Double or Nothing just we it just happened. This is like live yeah, off fits the with anarchy in the arena, let's be real. That <laughs> the live music playing. I mean, hey, we had an upgrade from last year with just the the, the music playing. Now it's fucking live. Literally, I, I we'll get to that match obviously when we get to it on the card. But yeah, just, just that we were just talking about. So, so uh, we had to go. We had to start recording because I just I started going because I I we just watched Anarchy and Arena obviously, and I'm just like it's literally like for us right now, guys. It's twelve eleven. Like the pay per view just went off for us. Like, um. <laughs> And we're still like sitting in it, and we always love to do these right, right after during this. Like yeah. we're still trying to figure out how we're feeling because sometimes we'll, we'll we'll sit on matches and they won't sit with us as well as they do. But we just you, you get our honest raw thoughts from this stuff. And bro, there's so many crazy spots in Anarchy in the arena, like and I just like, but the, like you said, the live music. So that was something interesting. I immediately when they showed the live uh, musicians, I was like, are they going to just do live music until? <laughs> Because if they do that, that's a different thing that they did last yeah. year, but it still kind of vibes the same way. And then my, immediately in my head, I'm like, Young Bucks are super kicking this guy off the stage. That's what's happening, you know? Like, Same and, to hell. Oh, just everything was structured so well on this show, but I felt like this match, and there was this, the last two matches had such a like fine structuring to every little segment of them because they're such involved matches but both of them nailed it perfectly and i just yeah i, I just, absolutely uh, and let's so let's, pretty much oh. our what, what we do with our uh our pay-per-view shows here is we kind of just run down the card beginning to end spend some more time on others than the last but um that being said if this is your first time maybe checking us out hey welcome to the show i hope you enjoy it um Pretty much, we host a weekly show called Eat Sleep Elite, where we run through everything AEW and Ring of Honor. And you can catch us. We have a community Twitter, at Eat Sleep Elite. If you want to pop on there, give us a follow, chat some wrestling. We always follow back and pretty much just kind of <laughs> trying to build like a wrestling community in a way, right? So let's just jump right in. Double or nothing, we had one match on the kickoff, and we had like 15 minutes of entrances. Um, <laughs> that being said... We had the Hardys and FTW champion Hook take on and defeat Ethan Page and the Guns. I think, you know, the match itself was it was just kind of a warm-up match. There's nothing to really sell here. Jeff Hardy, you know, he had a couple moments that you're like, damn. It's been a little business. He's been in the ring, but that's okay. I thought, to me, the story that sticks out again is something we've been covering when we talk about the Guns. Colton Gunn is seriously one of the best sellers in this company he can make anyone look good matt hardy was doing his little fucking his his head thing in the corners of the turnbuckles bouncing each one colton sells that thing like he's actually fucking getting hit in the head like i it's it's just little things that colton does i'm like wow he's he's very good but um yeah i mean you know the contracts happen they they all pile onto ethan page you know, it was just a warm-up match, right? I mean, there's nothing really to write home here. I don't know if 
Do we have any thoughts on the Hardys and, and Hook winning? Do you think they're going to do anything with Ethan Page's contract? Maybe I mean, yeah, I, him around I, I, a little I, bit? I, maybe it was that they just liked the four of them together so much, him and uh, and and the Hardys and Zay, when they were like a unit briefly, <clears throat> excuse me, briefly when they first, uh, you know, we're going to bring Jeff back. Like maybe they just liked that like group, and especially if when we get Mark Quinn back eventually as well, obviously, you know. Um, so I... Maybe they just like that pairing, you know, and they want to turn Ethan Page babyface slowly. This would be the way to do it. We would put him with Matt Hardy right now, who's like, honestly, like, it doesn't seem, I feel like, to some people, like he's super over with the crowd. And maybe he's not, like, on, like, a random dynamite or something. But uh, I think, uh, I think, I think, right, the people that watch everything AEW that were following the story on Dark, um, they're curious to see where this is going to go. So they'll probably do something with it. It might just be on, like, Rampage, though, or something. And And at the end of the day, it is still Matt Hardy. You know, so he's always going to get somewhat of a reaction. But this match got 15 fucking minutes. Got way more time than I thought it would get. But it was the only match on uh, the buy-in. So I'm cool Yeah, I mean, if, even if it's just one random one-off match, if it's going to be the only thing on the on the pre-show, and then you're going to do 10 minutes of entrances after that, you know what I mean? Or whatever yeah. happened in between. Like, you know, like, then you might as well give it the time. I mean, what's... Yeah, why it's not? It's a pay-per-view match, technically. Why, why you know rush I mean? a six-minute match and just have filler the rest of the time? Fuck it. So um, the only other note we had on the pre-show was the Owen Hart Cup of uh, the opening ceremonies. Pretty much R- Renee welcomed out Dr. Martha Hart to the stage. The trophies and titles were there. Paquette pretty much talks about the tournament kicking off at the Forbidden Door. Hart said it's great to be back at Vegas and at AEW. Tony Khan walks out rocking a fedora with the Owen Hart Foundation logo on it. And he pretty much said, we're kicking off at Forbidden Door and we're wrapping it up in Calgary. So as we've talked about before pretty extensively... We we are guessing that Dynamite and Collision, while they're running in Canada, is going to be lots of Owen Hart Cup matches, both men's and women's. And that seems to be kind of exactly what they're saying. It, some people thought it was going to start tonight. No, no, no. It, starting at Forbidden Door, I think, was always the plan with uh, that little announcement he made like four weeks ago. So, But that being said, starting at Forbidden Door, that opens the door for some New Japan talent to walk in and maybe contend for this tournament. Give me a Shingo Takagi fucking tournament run. I mean, come Zach on. Zack Sabre Jr. could lose his title to Jeff Cobb. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. And that would be a really fun aspect. You know, El Phantasmo, he's, he's completely rebranded himself. He could walk through that forbidden door for sure. Sounds like Bullet Club might need another partner too, so we'll get into that. But... It's time for double or nothing. And it was it had to happen this way. We open up with Orange Cassidy. Hello, what have we here? He defends his title in the Blackjack Battle Royal and right away this this battle royal was fucking awesome. Um I, I loved all the Lucha guys teaming up here. The Lucha Bros, Commander and Bandito kind of all team up in the middle and they're just fucking wrecking house at everyone. Um, Brian Cage got a lot of spots. I I thought Brian Cage was actually booked like a fucking beast. Like, yeah, and these kinds of spots like this, he actually does really well. I, you know, he's he works well when you treat him like a monster. But it's just like it's why it's so weird having him in like a trio. It's like that's why the monster trios Chag champions just feel so weird because it's just like three dudes that are all the same except the other two dudes just look bigger than him. You know, like yeah, <laughs> like that's the only difference. You know, like so basically here. Once uh, all the Lucha Bros are doing all their things, Bandito hit a really nice stalling suplex on Nice that ends up eliminating him. 
Divari then was brought to the apron, punted in the face by Phoenix, who did a rope walk to get rid of both varsity athletes. Cage started laying out just all the luchadors before Bandito pressed Cage over his head. Cage ate multiple thrust kicks. Uh, Lucha Bros and Bullet Club Gold pretty much started going at it. Uh, Commander tried another rope walk, but White shoved him to the floor. So Jay White and Commander kind of, you know, it was Jay White's first match. So it was kind of a fun little callback there. Um, but I, I mean, there's a lot of one-on-ones going on. I thought Trent Beretta taking the bullet for Orange Cassidy stuck out when Large William was kind of going nuts there. Um, uh, any other things you want to hit before we get to the final two here? Any uh any notes you had? Well, yeah, like you mentioned, this one got really crazy immediately because, like, within 30 seconds, I want to say maybe within two minutes of the match, Commander hit his rope walk and immediately took out a couple people on the outside. And they made sure to clarify that not everybody had entered the ring yet, so Commander wasn't out. Okay, good to know, good to know. Um, and uh, also about that rule that they specified, I'm sure it's true in every battle royal, probably, but, like, it's just a weird thing that they were, like, because uh, JR was, like, trying to be, like, uh, I, I think that's a bad strategy when it's actually, like, it's the only good strategy you could have in a battle royal, I guess, if you wanted to even strategize other than just, I, I mean, I don't know, other than, like, maybe you handcuff yourself to the top rope. I had, why has anybody done that, actually? Anyway, um... Yeah, that's that'd be a pretty good strat, right? <laughs> anyway, um, whatever. The point is, um, but yeah. So, but that, so there was a lot of moments that I did like in this map, though. In this match, though, so there was a moment where Commander, the Lucha Bros, and uh, shit, it was the other one. There was like four Lucha guys. Bandito. They all teamed up. Hmm. Bandito. Oh yeah, and Bandito. I was trying to think who's the other Lucha. Was it Bandito? Or, yeah, because I didn't put Vikingo in this. They should have though. It would have been. You know, it probably would have been too much, but um but yeah i mean um yeah they that like little four person team up where they were facing off everybody else in the ring was really cool um brian uh had the spots you were talking about like there was one that really stood out to me where he was holding commander in like a like a like almost like a power slam position or something like that or like just like a body slam position um and then he catches command or sorry he sorry he catches commander in a power bomb position while he's got phoenix held like that i'm sorry i had it backwards um oh, and yeah. then he just you know does like a power bomb slam thing whatever you want to call it combo move and i was just like it didn't look that impactful but it was just like damn that was impressive because commander had to really nail that landing or that would have like broken brian cage's neck you know like um so just shout outs to commander for being a beast uh swerve and lee got their got their payoff on pay-per-view finally it wasn't what we wanted though i'm sure we're gonna get this match eventually and it's just gonna take like 75 million this cha- this, this has been going on for like eight months right you were saying the other day that that feud has not been resolved essentially yeah everyone thought it was gonna be resolved at uh revolution and that would have yeah. been like they would have been going for a while so yeah, yeah. they started I mean, the tag they, team did... last summer yeah, i mean so... <laughs> i'm sure we'll get this match at some point i don't know when fucking first Maybe. collision yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway. Gotta start thinking about booking, you know, big matches for that first collision. So No, yeah, I mean, hey, may, maybe, maybe. Um, And uh, the ending sequence, though, which I'm sure we were about to get into, uh, with Swerve and Orange Cassidy. I mean, so our final four, I think what we're like, what, Big Bill, Orange Cassidy? Um, Penta and Swerve, yep. Penta, yeah, Penta and Swerve. And they did some good stuff there, but the final two sequence was when shit started to like get insane, and they just started doing yeah. like in, uh, let's talk about the ending a little bit because it yeah, was just so, it was crazy. So basically, when uh, Bill Big Bill tries to press slam Orange Cassidy over the top rope, but Swerve ends up dumping him out. So we get Swerve and Cassidy as our final two. 
at this point, I'm kind of like almost standing up rooting for Swerve to win. I, I, I just, I love Swerve so much. And I was like, this feels so big. They take turns trying to jump each other over the top until a counter DDT into a stun dog millionaire led to a swerve. He no-sells pretty much and then hits the kill shot for a double down. Um, Prince Nana trips up Cassidy, allows a swerve to hit a swerve stomp. Cassidy battles back with multiple DDTs and orange punch, sends Strickland to the apron. Um, swerve ends up blocking another one. He brings Cassidy to the apron. Nana ran distraction again, enough for Swerve to try one more double stomp. Cassidy gets his feet up and then just kind of in a way you're expecting some really big dramatic move. And he just lightly kicks his hand from the ropes and Swerve falls to the ground and Orange Cassidy retains his title. Holy shit. It's a very Orange Cassidy ending. But on top of that, it's kind of, I mean, it's basically what I said was going to happen. If you listen to our our predictions is that he was going to scratch and he was going to claw and he was going to do every tiny little thing he could do to try and win, no matter what that was. You know, and not about pride. It's not about beating Swerve. He doesn't have to beat Swerve. You know what I mean? He yeah. just has to win, you know? And that's that's this title run personified. It's it's just insane. God, I need that singles match, like, yesterday. So, uh, that is going to be a lot of fun when we get that. But Orange Cassidy's title reign continues. Holy shit. Um, not, not to spoil anything, but he's now the longest reigning current champion in AEW. Yes, he is. So Okay, I guess that did spoil something. But if you're watching this, you already know that. <laughs> so our next match was uh, Adam Cole defeating Chris Jericho. This was an unsanctioned match with Sabu as a special enforcer. It shouldn't have been sanctioned at all. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um. God, it, this, this match to me, the pace was not there. Uh, right away, you notice the shenanigans are afoot for about uh, 45 seconds. Sabu jumps off a table, puts uh, Menard and Parker through it. Uh, Strong and Hager and Garcia and Sabu pretty much battle to the back, leave Cole and Jericho in the ring. Uh, I just, I don't know. They're kind of. It just felt like there was like one of the special enforcer shit that there was going to be like, you know, I'll use an example from the next match, which is the tag match. Mark Briscoe was the story of that match. You know what I mean? He felt like he was involved. He was throughout the whole thing. That was the whole thing, right? Yeah. And this match, Sabu hits one spot, which is pretty gnarly for a guy that age. I don't know how old Sabu is, but I think he might have Sting beat for ridiculous dives at way too high of an age. But, you know, like, I actually don't know how old uh, Sabu is, though. He might he might be younger. I, I don't actually know, but he probably is, actually, now that I think about it, because I think ECW was probably after WCW, right? So, anyway, the point, or was it the same time? Who cares? The point is, Sabu probably died in that spot, is what I'm guessing, because I... <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, they all battled to the back. I just, I, maybe that was the plan. Maybe it wasn't. I'm not sure. I, I, maybe he, like, slipped and it was supposed to be a much more impactful move. Because it did, I mean, it looked good. It just, yeah. you could tell he slipped a little bit. You know what I mean? Cause but he's, Adam you know, Cole and Chris Jericho, this was, this was a bad match. Um, I, you know, I, giving Chris Jericho as Adam Cole's first opponent back, we can now, I, I can officially say it. It was the wrong call. Was it? This was not. This should not have been the person he's facing. And I mean, look, he got the win. Yay, good, good. For look, him. we all know who he would have been facing if he wasn't a fucking prima donna. So, and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, the Britt Baker spot to me was the best part. She hit the ring, hits Jericho with the kendo stick. Um, you know, Cole ends up choking Jericho with that kendo stick. He gets a backstabber. Cole climbs to the top, but he's taken forever. So Jericho chucks a chair at his face. Cole ends up falling through a table outside 
And yeah, I mean, they put on a chain and handcuffs and they're doing their thing, but uh, the match ends with uh, Adam Cole just, you know, hammer fisting his face, cracking him open, and uh, Aubrey has to call the match. So the crowd didn't buy the finish. The crowd wasn't into the match. And there was people saying, oh, the crowd was quiet all night. Not all night. Not at all all night. They were just loud fucking freaking out, you know, during the, the closing sequence of the previous match. You can't pick and choose and say, oh, this crowd fucking sucks. When, look what happens at the end of the show. Look, look we'll get into the next match. Look what happens in the next match. The crowd gets excited because FTR wins them over. But this, they were not excited for this match. Because it sucked. So, and look, Adam Cole and Chris Jericho are unbelievably talented. This just wasn't their best day at the office. And I'm, it's going to be open season on Adam Cole for a couple days because there's a lot of people that don't like Adam Cole. And, you know, for whatever reason, but that's just something that you're going to kind of filter out, I guess, <laughs> if you are a fan of him like I am. So, but I mean, any other thoughts you had on this one? Are you as down on it as I am? Because I'm, I'm pretty, Pretty heavy. So I didn't match. hate the match or anything like that. It's probably it was the worst match on this show. Is that is that a stretch? No, I don't think it is. It's the worst I, match by a mile, and, I'll, and that's yeah. over a three minute match. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, I just I didn't care going in. This has been the lowest on my tier. I talked about how much I hate contract signings. You know what I mean? Like, um, this just just just. N- never really rung well to me. The the best part of it was when Brit that's the drama with Britt Baker, which did get paid off in this match. Um but I also did like so when Jericho threw the chair at him and he like they just fell off the top rope through the table. That was good. I like that, you know what I mean? Um yeah. it it's pretty basic, but you know when I mean Adam Cole just does things well, you know what I mean? He did that well. Um yeah, I don't think it worked for me either. Okay. Um God, does this even make does this make like 3.1 stars even i i don't even know does it barely make it to three like i don't know yeah yeah i don't know i, hey, I, I think people... the big missing part of this match was the special enforcement part it was the stipulation and it just didn't happen there was like no, there was like yeah nothing. it, it definitely just... didn't feel unsanctioned either except for one no break. well no i mean they did things that felt so like they did the chain spot i mean there was things in this match you wouldn't have seen in a normal like you would have had to have a lights out match to also reach this level of like what they did, yeah. but it was basically just like a slightly more intense street fight. Essentially, it was what it was. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So yeah, let's. Uh. Oh, by the way, if anyone's watching this, you know, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we and maybe you are waiting for us to talk about the media scrum because maybe something crazy happens in it again. The media scrum's happening right now, so. We're not we're not going to be able to talk about anything happening in it unless like something kind of slips through the cracks and everyone starts reporting it or something. But yeah, there's no way we talk about that. So um, just throwing that out there. We'll probably cover that, you know, on the next ESE. If anything, yeah. If cool anything comes out, out of it, we'll mention it there in our news. But like, you know, um, we it's it's it'd be difficult to have one of us like listening in on it while doing the show. Exactly. So. Okay, next match. FTR, our tag team champions, took on a defeated Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett and with Mark Briscoe as the special guest referee. So here we go. Uh, FTR and Jarrett Lethal had the task of they had to win the crowd back. And it didn't come easy. The first like couple minutes, you know, the, people were popping for the music, but you could even feel the energy. They had to win them back. They had to. So 
you know, Lethal and Hard, we kind of get started off with a little nice opening sequence with some mat wrestling. We get into a chop battle. FTR hits some double drop kicks, some atomic drops ending in attempted uh, double sharpshooters. Lethal and Jarrett, you know, they bailed out. They're trying to regroup. Lethal tried to have Jeff Jarrett run in without making a legal tag. Briscoe caught onto him, shoved Jarrett down. Lethal was backdropped over the top floor onto his partner. We jump back inside. You know, Mark Briscoe's attention was turned as Wheeler was low-bridged by Jarrett, who was first going to use the chair, but he was scolded by Mark Briscoe. It's like, bro, you cannot do that. Don't you dare do that. So he opted to just ram Wheeler into the barricade repeatedly. And uh, at this point, Jim Ross is comparing Sanjay Dutt's screeching to a rooster. Um, Jarrett, Jarrett takes Briscoe to allow Karen to choke Wheeler briefly. Jarrett did a Garvin stomp and a Fargo strut. Jarrett locked on a figure four as Harwood had seen enough. Did a diving headbutt to break it up. He he times that thing so perfect every time. I think he, his headbutt might have peed better than Danielson's, honestly. It's it's a fantastic headbutt. Wheeler finally leapfrogs Lethal to make the hot tag to Harwood, who turned Lethal inside out with a short arm lariat. Really nice rolling Germans by Harwood until a series of switches led to Harwood brainbuster for two. Lethal battled back with a lethal combination. Uh, pretty much the match broke down when Dutt started grabbing Wheeler's foot on the apron. And that's just had to be long enough for Jarrett to, you know, crack him. Uh, Lethal and Harwood fought in the ropes where Lethal took way too long for his elbow. Harwood crushed him. Hit him right in the penis. Um, a superplex ledge. A superplex then leads to a doomsday powerbomb by FTR. Wheeler hit a dive on Jarrett, but Dutt pulled Harwood to the floor to break the count. Briscoe saw enough. At this point, he ejects Sanjay Dutton, sat in him saying, the crowd at this point starting to really, they're, they're, they're buying what the wrestlers are selling, is the best way to put it. They're getting into it. Jarrett then sneaks in from behind with a guitar. Harwood moves. Mark Briscoe eats the guitar shot, cracks him right over the fucking head. Uh, lethal then tries it at lethal injection. FTR counters into a shatter machine. We get that, you know, the visible pin where everyone's counting one, two, three. There's no ref. Aubrey Edwards sprints out to the ring. Sanjay Dutt, that son of a bitch, stepping in front of her. Karen Jarrett ends up kind of wiping out Arby with a guitar shot to the fucking way. Huge pop at this point. The crowd's... Nobody was safe on this pay-per-view. Refs were getting killed. The crowd is fully into this match. Uh, Lethal hit a double lethal injection on FTR with everyone down. Karen threw a title belt to Lethal. Jarrett held Harwood, who fought free, laid out Lethal with a pile driver. Jarrett caught Harwood with a belt shot and the stroke. Sanjay Dutt woke up Briscoe to make a close two count. Jarrett's fucking furious. He starts pie-facing Briscoe, slapping him, until Briscoe slapped Jarrett, turned around, shatter machine for the victory. The story that they wrote with this match was fucking so much fun. This wasn't like some spectacular over-the-top match, but this was a good wrestling match, and it was a good story that I ended up being very satisfied with, and so did the crowd, because they were back on their feet. Um, you know, cracking gets Aubrey Edwards over the head with a guitar. That's a, that was a fucking big that, move That was there. one of the most shocking spots. Was that the most? Nah, it wasn't the most shocking spot. The most shocking spot was at the end. But before that, that might have been the one going throughout the whole show that I just rang in my head the whole time. It wasn't actually, no, I did not a see that things. coming. There were two or three things on the show that happened that are probably all <laughs> on the same tier of like, holy shit. And this is the first one. And uh dude when this match started i knew we were getting a a a good match out of these four i mean i knew it anyway because they built it up so much these ftr doesn't do that where they build up a match for however long 
and then it just sucks except for their first match with the guns you know that one just i don't know what happened there but you know um but like other than that you know they they are pretty much always going to deliver and when dax started just laying the fucking wood on those chops i was like here we fucking go boys you know like oh my god like this see yeah like the way i put it in my notes is dax was pissed and the axe was chopping that's literally what was going on you know (laughs) hell Um, yeah hell yeah there was so many classic wrestling spots in this too and when i say that i don't mean like oh a drop down and like a clothesline no i mean like they were doing like when somebody's doing like a a a hot fucking like uh what do you would call that running the ropes and then somebody does the uh low bridge to knock like the tag team's momentum they were doing that kind of classic tag team heel wrestling shit that you don't see a lot of times in AEW. so it's this match felt very different than everything else on the show, but it delivered in a way that I think a lot of other matches probably could not have because of the way they were. They're different kinds of matches. You know what I mean? It's the smorgasbord of AEW that we always talk about, you know, it's what Kenny Omega yeah. says. Kenny, the fucking genius. Uh, Alex Marvez backstage with Ricky Starks. Was asked about Bullet Club Gold and right on cue. They start beating the shit out of Starks. FTR came running into shots. Starks might have finally found some backup. <laughs> Full time record. If this gets us one step closer to Bullet Club Gold versus FTR, count me in, bud. My God, uh, Chris Jericho and Soraya FTR are- stands for Full Tilt Ricky. Full Tilt Ricky. Um, Saray and Chris Jericho backstage. They're demanding Tony Khan give them a mixed tag team match against Britt Baker and Adam Cole this Wednesday. One random security guard showed up to tell him to calm down. He suffered a fireball in the face. I'm a wizard, you son of a bitch. The wizard has returned. The wizard is back. The Ocho has been retired. You know what that means. It's Wardlow time. Wardlow versus Christian Cage in a ladder match. How did Wardlow become Zach Clayton, bro? What happened? I don't even know, but it's it's just, it's here. And so anyways, uh, we start off the match with Wardlow. Oh, no. <laughs> um, holy shit. Wardlow had the spot of the night, though. Um, he did like a fucking Jeff Hardy WrestleMania 2000 unreal, like a swanton through these tables from fucking 20 feet in the air. <laughs> he also got hit right in the nards at one point with a ladder. Right in the penis um but yeah uh here's the thing yeah i haven't been hot on this feud if you guys been following you know that uh that being said i thought the match had some fun spots it also had some pretty corny spots um i don't know if we needed to see the the cannibalistic arc but maybe i am here for it uh (laughs) i bit off fucking luchasaurus's thumb bro it's like i guess who the hell pitches that arn fucking anderson you know what? Maybe they just watched that uh, Timothy Chalamet movie from last year, Bones and All, and were like inspired to be cannibals. I, I know, listen, man. Like sometimes, what happened? You're he hungry in the middle of a match. It happens. He went from fucking shooting people that stole his car to eating a dinosaur's finger. Yeah, he just wanted to try dinosaur meat. I mean, hey, can you blame him? No. Uh- <laughs> 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 All right, uh, but what do you think of the match? I mean. Uh- the match itself was fine. We had some big. I thought Luchasaurus spots, was but, a hunk of meat. Oh, sorry. But but you know what I mean. Wardlow's Wardlow's spot's gonna live forever. That's gonna be on every AEW promotional material. It was fucking perfect. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Right. That that shit was awesome. Um, I imagine it probably hurt a lot. Yeah, that was a crazy spot. That's pretty much what the match built to. Yeah. Um, 
Wardlow, uh, the only thing that sucked was that Wardlow tried to do the thing that I always tell people that or I always say was like the coolest wrestling spot you can do, which is like a springboard or a jump off the top rope onto the ladder because like he's just too big of a guy. It broke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it broke the fucking thing. Yeah. Maybe that was intentional. Maybe it was a breakaway ladder and that was the intended spot. It just broke See, in a weird way. I don't know. They did try and use I might the ladder think that. After. But then he tried to use it again. Yeah, so I don't know. He clearly could. He might have so. done that though. So we think that you know what I mean. Like, you know, there could it, be some like pretty smart. He could have done that in the moment to be like, "Oh, now they'll think that that wasn't intentional, but it was." Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> there, there could be some three D chess there, but yeah, I think. Look, the right winner here was Wardlow, and I'm gonna say it. I think this is my favorite singles match from Wardlow. Now that's the bar's not like crazy high, because unfortunately, as a singles run, we've been kind of more impressed by the build of the character as well as you know him finally defeating MJF a year ago today was kind of a really big moment. But match wise, I thought this was pretty solid. I mean, it was Christian Cage in a ladder match. Let's move on from this to get Wardlow a legitimate program with someone who's been picking up wins, someone who's been catching momentum, you know, maybe a Roderick strong, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys you could pick from. You could go straight to Jack Perry, right? That was something we thought Jack might go into next anyways. I mean, genuinely seeing, uh, yeah. And that can be something that, I mean, I don't, the problem is all these people you're listening on. I don't do does Wardlow beat any of them, and I don't know if he does. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I think Wardlow can beat both those guys right now, but that just that's all going to depend on how much Tony trusts him because we've well, seen before. Jack just was like like seconds away from the championship, so it's like I don't know. You know, like so. Um, any other thoughts from that one? Are you ready to move on? Uh, no, like, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like, you know, in my head, there were two matches on the show that could end up not doing that well. Um, and this, this was one of them. Um, and it didn't end up going that way. So, you know, uh, actually there were kind of like three matches in my head, but I, I kind of had more faith in FTR. So I wasn't like putting that in that category. Um, but you know, Adam Cole, like, I, I hope we have better from him going forward, but I was not disappointed with this Wardlow match here, especially like you said, that spot's going to live in infamy as they say, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it, as you will put well, they built to it in the match very well. So it wasn't just out of nowhere. All right. Um, our first title change. Tony Storm defeats Jamie Hayter to win the AEW Women's Championship. She is now our first ever two-time AEW Women's Champion. Um, Well-deserved for Tony. I mean, holy shit. We... If this is your first time here. We gush about how how great of a signing Tony Storm has been for AEW. So there's not much to the match, so I, I'll run through it real quick, and then we'll talk about uh, where we think this is going and what we thought of Jamie Hader's title reign. But you know, Jamie Hader's music hits. She doesn't come out at first. They hit the music a second time. Sray and Ruby Soho are beating her up down the ramp. Storm repeatedly slammed Hader into the ring steps, same way she injured Hader's arm last month, which is legit. Both ladies are in the ring. Paul Turner asks if Hader can go. She says yes. The match begins. Sray immediately unties a corner turnbuckle pad. The referee just watched her do it. <laughs> um, you know? This is our senior ref, too. Rip Baker ran out to brawl. Uh, Soraya as Hader tossed Storm into the corner where Turner was with Soho. Hader got a near fall on Storm, who took the ref to allow Soho to spray paint. Hader in the eyes. Uh, Storm hit a sweet cheek music. That was fucking an incredible one. 
she hits them sometimes where they're good, and then she hits them sometimes where they're legendary. This was one of those times. It gets a two count. Karoshida hits the ring with a kendo stick. She and Soho kind of go at it for a little bit. She's cracking her with a kendo stick, and, you know, they're delivering some good forearms. Hater then sent Storm to the exposed turnbuckle. Hater hater raid, but it was with the bad arm, so she couldn't follow up immediately. She's, she's getting mad at herself. She, she rips off the fucking tape, throws it on the ground. She tries another one, pretty much gets sent, like, super awkwardly, like, into the exposed buckle. Storm hits the Storm Zero, wins the title. That was it. That's it. So we do know Jamie Hurt, Jamie Hater, uh, is probably going to take a little time off for the, to heal up this injury, and I still firmly think the end goal here is going to be to have Jamie Hater uh, win the title at All In. So it just makes sense for me to for her to lose it. Now that could completely change, <laughs> you know. That could be wishful thinking. You know, let the story play out, right? But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, on the match and and Tony Storm being the new champ. Yeah, I mean, you know, we obviously didn't know how serious the injury to Jamie was. And we've seen Jamie wrestle semi-injured before. I mean, she was wrestling on an injury for a little while anyway before she had to take a couple weeks off a while ago, right? So, you know, like... um, So it's not like unlike a wrestler like her to wrestle like that, right? Because she can do a lot of her offense, it seems, without hurting herself. You know what I mean? Um, Further, I should say. You know, um, but this was just a case where... You know, we couldn't have a, a 15 minute or 20 minute, whatever the hell it would be, banger between these two, because even though we've had that before um, and we know what could happen, it's just not in the cards with the way Jamie Hayter is obviously able, able to wrestle right now, you know, in a safe manner. Um, but obviously, mad props to to uh, Tony Storm for being the, is, is she, the first ever two time AEW Women's World Champion, which is a hell of an accomplishment for someone that's been there for like barely a year now, right? Like, so, like, Barely, yeah. Um, like what a what a what a run Tony Storm has been on, and uh, you were asking me where I think this might be going. Well, Charlie, there is somebody in AEW's women's division that recently moved to America, who's a babyface, and we've seen Tony Storm place Riho. We've seen Tony Storm say Sakaru Shida. Both of those were great matches, by the way. We have not yet seen, I don't believe, Tony Storm versus Yuka Sakasaki. That'd be a fun match. That'd be a fun program, let's be real. Yeah. Well, um, but there's obviously other kinds of directions you could go. Um, trying to think of other women that are baby faces right now that they could face. I mean, Sheeta Riho would obviously be great choices. Obviously, Britt Baker is an option um, if you want to go that way. Um, you got plenty of opportunity to do this. There's other women in other promotions, too. Why can't we get Tony Storm versus Julia? Julia Hart thing. Huh? Do what? I wouldn't be shocked if they tried Julia Hart. I mean, Julia Hart has proved that she and, and Anna Jay, at least, could probably handle a heel versus heel feud, at least, you know, so because yeah. they just did it and it worked. So, you know, um, and people were into that match when they actually got to it. I was surprised, not because I didn't expect those two to get reactions, but they were into that street fight that those two had. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Just really fun. Really excited to see where they go with it. A lot of options, like you said, or well, I guess like I said. <laughs> Um, that they could go with, but I'm not entirely sure. But Yuka Sakazaki would be my first thought because we just recently heard about her, you know, like maybe more full-time with AEW. Hey, that sounds great to me. So Jamie Hayter's title reign. All right. She wins it off of Tony Storm last year at Full Gear in a really fun match. She then at Holiday Bash, 20, uh, so this was Dynamite of December 21st, 2022, 
She defends the title against Hikaru Shida in just an awesome fucking match. Seriously, so good. Uh, we were we were joking then. We were like, we already recorded our fucking uh, <laughs> our awards show, and <laughs> it's like this match just happened. It was so good. Um, her her next title defense is then the three way at AW Revolution twenty twenty three against Ruby Soho and Soraya, where she retains. She then beats Riho about a month later on Dynamite, where that was a pretty good match too. That was at the UBS Arena. And then she loses it tonight. She had some good title eliminators, specifically the Emi Sakura match at the beginning of this year. That was a very good match on on Rampage. But all in all, Jamie Hayter's, uh, she just ascended to another level as champion. She really became the top of the I honestly division. think if she hadn't been injured, she probably wouldn't have lost this anytime soon, let's be real. She was just so yeah. dominant as champion, you know? like it, I'd have a hard time thinking she would have too. It would have been fun and, if you could have just like, and I could have convinced myself that the match they should have at Forbidden Door should have probably been. If if she wasn't injured, I, I would have started probably pushing for it to be Athena versus Jamie for both titles or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that would have been good. Because who but, else could possibly beat Athena besides Jamie? I mean, I mean who else is going to be? Then you don't have to worry about finding a suitable person because there's just nobody in Ring of Honor right now that's had enough time to get to that point with Athena. And Athena it, could chase and get it back, and that would not hurt Jamie to lose a second title. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, whatever. Yeah, it really wouldn't. Um, but is it safe to say Jamie Hader became the top? She truly became the top of the mountain as champion. Yes, some people don't step up to that level. Britt Baker did. I would argue Tony Storm did when she was in a really awkward position yeah. as interim champion. You know, um, and uh, John Moxley stepped up to be champion. Chris Jericho. Eh. Kenny Omega was definitely the top guy when he was champion. I I, I think so. I think she elevated herself. She, she I, felt like the top dog. Yeah, and I think Tony Storm um can can slip right back into that role because if you remember, she was just she didn't even seem like she needed coaching. She just knew how to be a champion. You know, she knew what to do, what yeah. to say, when to say it. You know, like and so we we have a a fun road ahead of us. I imagine. Our next match was the House of Black Open Challenge. And to no one's surprise, it ended up being the acclaimed and daddy ass in a, this was an AW Trios title match in an open house match. Um, Max Caster's rap, you know, it was fucking ruthless. He he said Matthews was being cucked by a kid named Dominic. Pretty much said they didn't need a dealer's choice as an option. And... Yeah, he, he he had some good one-liners tonight, and the crowd bought into it. That being said, God, the acclaimed, you can always put them in any spot because they're good, people are going to care about them. And people cared about them in this match. They cared about Daddy Ass in this match. Bowens got in his shit. Buddy Matthews did not take lightly to Max Caster. He was beating the living shit out of him by the announce table. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, once, uh, once Billy Gunn's kind of running wild with the splashes, he had a tilt-a-roll slam. And hit hit the one and only finisher, and Black ends up uh, he, you know he drops a a famouser on Brody King, Matthews hit a famouser through the ropes, but then Gun turns around, and Malachi hits a Black Mass spin kick to pick up the win. I thought this match was perfectly fine for what it was, and yeah, I I liked that the House of Black had scouted, um, the acclaimed enough to kind of. They caught all of their their like big tag team moves. They were not able to land a single one. And I thought that was a nice touch. And 
commentary made sure to put that over too as well. So I think this is a match we're going to see again. I do not think this is uh, a one and done. The acclaimed and Daddy Ash just make too much sense to randomly toss in the Shrios division. So do you have any uh, any big thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty much echo everything that you said. It was a really fun match. There were some good spots. Every time Bar- uh, every time Brody barks at the crowd, it just pops the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> the, the mega pop on the hot tag, too, to, to daddy ass uh, after he finally got in there. And then he had a little fun sequence. That the FU after the uh, chop that he ate. That was pretty awesome. Um, and uh, I kind of hope it is a one and done because I got to be honest with you. I don't think I want to sit through uh, these two cutting promos on each other. I don't think it would work. Fair. I actually think it would it would do well, but um, I mean, it might do well. The problem is you're gonna have to sit to you're gonna have to convince yourself that you're okay with one of the three of them getting taken by the House of Black because that's always the angle that they go with <laughs> whenever they feud with somebody for longer than a week. No, it can't be Daddy ass kidnapped again. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. I didn't think they were gonna lose this yet. I don't see them losing this title just yet. They feel too perfect for uh, Forbidden Door. Plus, having... if you have them go straight into a feud after, like, two open house matches, I feel like, what was the point of those stipulations? Yeah. So, okay. Next up, we had our TBS title match. We had Jade Cargill and Taya Valkyrie. They both had pretty, like, cool entrances. It was kind of neat to see, actually. So, Taya gets her entrances with the dancers, and she's got this whole new screen. It looked really cool. She had some slow-mo on it. It looked nice. Cargill ends up coming to the to the ring with members of her sorority. It was Alpha Kappa Alpha. We then see Brandon Phillips ringside, who is her – it's her husband, right? And, and the father of her, of her kids. He is a uh, Cincinnati Reds player, so that's fucking awesome. Uh, commentary makes sure to mention that. Um, but, yeah, they get going pretty early on. And I will say Taya ended up getting the upper hand pretty quickly with a sliding lariat. Jade then goes to the outside. She's like, okay, okay, we need to settle down. Mark, we need to figure this shit out. He then gets flattened by a diving tie off the top. That allowed Cargo to clock Valkyrie with a pump kick. She regains control. Valkyrie battled back with a sliding German suplex through the ropes. Cargo responded with a suplex to the floor. We jump back inside where Jade plants uh, Valkyrie with a nice spine buster for a near fall. And then that draped Valkyrie throat first over the barricade outside. Valkyrie then battled back with a series of lariats in the ring. Cargo did the same with short arm lariats of her own. Cargo went for a sleeper, but Valkyrie quickly countered into a, into a blue thunderbomb that looked really nice. Cargo attempts to hit a springboard attack, but Valkyrie hits a double knee right to the sternum. Kind of like a lung blower variation. <coughs> Valkyrie then tied up Cargo's legs, hit a nasty curb stomp for two. Layla jumps on the apron, immediately kicked to the floor. <laughs> Valkyrie connected with a spear in a road to Valhalla. And... The crowd was fucking biting. They were into this. When she hit that spear in Road of Valhalla, there was people standing up. Cargo gets a kick out. That shocks everyone. She went for another attack. Cargo kind of hits a little maneuver, kicks her in the face, hits the jaded, gets the win. She goes 60-0. Right after, as soon as that happened, I'm like, well, that's probably her best match. <laughs> oh, Post-match, yeah. Mark Sterling said Cargo will defend the title anytime, anywhere. She's done this twice now. But before we jump into that, let's just cover this first match first. Uh, what did you think of this? Because I, as I kind of just alluded to, 
I thought she, this was the first time I truly felt like she had genuine chemistry with someone in the ring. Oh yeah, when uh, you know how I knew they had chemistry when Taya hit her, her like signature sliding German and Jay just took it like an absolute champ. Like she took that That's bump progress. like she'd taken it a thousand times, and maybe yep. they did practice it a thousand times so it would look good. I hope so because that's I mean some people do that. You know what I mean? Like not everybody thing, but you know I think the young bucks have been known to practice spots if they're like really important. You know, like um, like other people have as well. Even though a lot of people on a lot, it's funny, Charlie, a lot of wrestlers will sit there. No, I do everything in the ring. And then like you find out from somebody else, like, yeah, we were practicing the super kick spot that you guys really like. Yeah, that's why, that's why it fucking looked good because we actually made sure it looked good. <laughs> it's the yeah, same right? people later. You know what I mean? It's like, but you know, it's like, you know, whatever it's, but like at the same time, like this was just like, I, yeah, they had the chemistry. Um, Jade kicking out of the road to Valhalla was just nuts because they built this fucking move up like it was the death. Like the the this might have been Charlie. Was this the best example of when they build up a move as like this killing, like murderous move, and then eventually it gets hit and it doesn't go through? Like, yeah. is this the best version of that? I think this might be the only time that I actually like bit and believe that if she hit that move, she was winning. You know what I mean? Like, and in a way, it felt like with uh, Mike Bailey's double knees off the top rope that we've been watching. He finished oh, yeah. every time, every he hit, time he, with it. Every single time, like four or five matches in a row, he hit the he hit the, and then he, I forget who it was against. Was it against Ishimori or somebody like that? I forget. Master Wado. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was against Wado, which set Wado on the run that he's been on. Oh, I mean, Wado you know. ends up kicking out of that move, and that sets the crowd a spur. We both lost used, our shit when that happened too. While we're, we're watching used to it. that finishing someone, and then the road to Valhalla is hit. I'm thinking for I I actually thought for a split second myself. I'm like, oh shit, but nope, that was not the case. But again, the cockiness that, that they've displayed so well, just how cocky she is about her record. And Mark Sterling is, she, he'll, she'll defend this title anytime, anywhere. There's no one left. Chris Statlander makes a return, a fucking huge reaction. And if people haven't been paying attention, because they've done this a couple times, they ring the bell. Because... She just called her out for another open challenge. She could beat anyone. Not like she was just on fucking death's brink. She doesn't care. She's still so confident she can beat anyone. She misses a pump kick. Statler hit a roundhouse kick, corner charge with a knee lift. She attempted a, a, like a stalling vertical suplex, which Jade, Jade ends up escaping. Jade hits a pump kick. She tried the Jaded. Statlander reversed it into a night fever, and she wins the fucking championship. The crowd is going insane. Confetti's pouring down. Statlander is, you know, pretty much signed that. It, they said Mama is home. And wow, what a fucking return for Chris Statlander. She's battled so many injuries and she finally gets her moment. And you could feel it. You could feel the energy. The crowd was so into this. Everything that they built up, like to make this unbeatable star, they just delivered it to this homegrown star that everyone loves and everyone has been waiting to get her moment. And she got it in a moment that will never be forgotten. Honestly, this you is another they're... one of those moments that confetti dropping easily as of right now is my favorite moment of the year. They're... And like, I it just, it's such a feel good story. And to top it all off, Chris Statlander yeah. is back. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And, um, I, I have a feeling this TBS title is still going to get defended and probably more often than it was in, in just in crazy matches. And we talked about when, when she was potentially on the run up to this title before, 
that uh what what the matches could look like if she wins this title and uh there's even more talent than there was then now so um basically i'm gonna say something that might be controversial to some people uh because i'll list off some other things right now that you might think are are better but i think this might be the greatest title change in AEW history I understand MJF winning the title off Moxley was a big deal. I understand why CM Punk needed to win the AW World Championship to make things feel more legit for some people. You know what I mean? I understand that when Kenny Omega dropped that title to Hangman Page, it was a big moment for some people. The acclaimed finally getting it done and winning the titles against Swerve in Our Glory was one of the best moments of 2022. Actually, I think it was our best moment of 2022. For both of us, so or at least it was for me. I want to say, but, yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was our favorite moment in our award show. Yeah, it was. I, I think we both had the acclaimed. I think one of us definitely had that moment though of them winning the titles. The point is, um, you might have something that you liked personally better, but for me, this is the greatest title change in AEW history, and I can't imagine them somehow finding a way to do this better because nobody had this penciled in on their Jade match this week. None. Not a single person. It, there were some people that figured it out right before the show because apparently a rumor got out there. There were some surprises. So I saw people thinking this was going to happen because, of course, people can't keep their fucking mouth shut in the wrestling business. I could see her returning. I didn't think she'd win the championship tonight. Right. That's the part that nobody was going to guess, you know, like, so what What a decision by Tony Khan. Hell of a, I mean, Jade obviously knew this was the right moment to put somebody over. Yeah. I, just all around shock and just amazed. And I'm so excited to see what Chris Statlander does with this title. Couldn't agree more. I was genuinely so excited. And that time has come. Jade Cargill, 508 days as TBS champion. Chris Statlander was the one in 60 and one. And we knew this day would come. We we're going to cover her entire title reign real quick because we have to, this is what we do. And if you get a title reign for a year, we're going to run gonna, through it in five minutes. That's what we're going to cover understand. it. Just like if you had a championship for two weeks, here we go. Jade Cargill wins the championship January 5th against Ruby Soho. And that was at the, the finale match in the TBS title tournament. Two weeks, three weeks later, she defends it against Anna Jay on rampage. Pretty solid match. Um, the next week at beach break on rampage, she defeats Julia Hart in two minutes. Um, about two weeks go by, it's dynamite, and all of these matches are for the championship. I'm not going to say anything that wasn't for the championship. Two weeks later, on dynamite, she defeats AQA in kind of this debut match for AQA, who ends up getting signed, but then she retires retires later on in the year just because you know just wasn't working for her. It, it just she just took a break from wrestling. Two weeks later, Jade Cargill defeats the Bunny six minutes fifty seconds. Two weeks later, after that. AW Revolution 2022, Jade Cargill defeats Ty Conti in a program that they built up in about two weeks. And until tonight was my favorite Jade Cargill match. Um, Some time goes by. So about six weeks later, so she finally gets a break. She gets to hold the title for a minute. AW Rampage 38, she defeats Marina Shafir. About a 12-minute match. A couple more, about a month goes by. She defeats Anna Jay at Double or Nothing last year. Seven and a half minutes. This match was okay. It, was, it wasn't it was anything special. I remember thinking, eh, the timing was not the greatest. But three weeks later, she defeats Willow on Rampage. 
Two weeks later, she defeats Layla at Blood and Guts. About six weeks later, she defeats Madison Rain at Quake in the Lake. Uh, the next month, she defeats Athena at All Out 2022 in four minutes and 20 seconds. Nice. At Grand Slam 2022, so about three weeks after that, she defeats Diamante in three minutes. About three weeks after that, at Battle of the Belts 4, she defeats Willow Nightingale in seven minutes. She then defeats Marina Shafir in two minutes. Um, Nyla Rose in eight minutes at Full Gear 2022. Then our New Year's Smash 2020. Uh, 2022 and Rampage. That's her defeat of Kiera Hogan. Pretty solid match, actually. I, they, the baddies were completely split up by this point. It was just her and Layla. That's kind of moving into the more traditional character now. Then, two weeks after that, Battle of the Belts 5, she defeats Sky Blue. And I know that's a lot of people's favorite Jade match. Her and Sky, they did some really cool things in that match that Jade hasn't done before. Flash forward. Four weeks later, she defeats Red Velvet at Dynamite 174. At Rampage 82, Slam Dunk 2023, she defeats Vert Vixen in a minute. A week later, or uh, a month later, she defeats Nicole Matthews in Canada. And that's the night Ty Valkyrie debuts. Battle of the Belt 6, she defeats Billy Starks. Dynamite 186, she defeats Ty Valkyrie in eight minutes. And that was the when Taya could not use the Road of Valhalla. And then... Flash forward to two weeks ago on Rampage, she defeats Genesis and Danny B in the same night where they set up the stipulation of tonight, where she defeats Ty Valkyrie and loses the championship to uh, Chris Statlander. 25 successful defenses in nearly two and a half years in what will easily be probably the most dominant title run we have in AEW for, if not ever, for a long time. Because, I mean, we, we've talked about this extensively. Until Taya Valkyrie, she was not seen prone to losing that title once, even against Athena. She beat the fucking shit out of Athena. You could almost say that spawned Athena's new character. Because it, it, it spawned right after that. So, okay. It just hit <laughs> me. I, they already have the first feud for Chris Statlander, bro. It's Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie did all the work. Yeah, you could easily run that. She did all the work. I'm I'm fucking down with that feud, by the way. Let me just say that. So, yeah. Um, any of the thoughts you had on the title reign and whole? I know, I know you've been very, you've had some mixed feelings on it from the beginning, but uh, you um, know, it's it's over now, so it's yeah, retrospective. Five hundred and eight yep. days. Um, Holy shit! I wish, I wish they had let her develop more before they did this because I think in the long run, it will be the greatest time in her career, but I don't know if she's ever going to reach these heights again. That's my concern for Jade. Um, because there is no bar. What, what, where is she, how is she going to top this? You know what oh, I mean? I have no idea where she goes next. So that's my biggest concern for Jade coming out of this is that's Tony's got to be, where I, does I she go from here? He's got a plan. Yep. I got to be honest with you. I don't want her anywhere near the TBS title for a long time, you know? No, so, no, no. So no. If she goes right back in it. Well, she was such a dominant champion. She deserves a rematch. No, she doesn't. She lost back of the line. She was such a dominant champion. She should turn face and face Tony Storm. That's kind of what I was thinking. That's been my argument for a while is as soon as you take this offer, you put her in the world title scene. Um, it's fitting now. 
So, so I, I maybe that's the direction they go. Although I don't know, does Tony have? I mean, Tony has a lot of confidence in her. He's her longest, or she's his longest reigning champion ever. But does he have that kind of confidence in her? I don't know. You know, we will see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, she's definitely someone that can carry your women's division for a long time, though. If you wanted to go that way, so I mean, I mean if you want to talk about someone that looks like a megastar. She looks like the biggest star. But I'd like to see her get a run of singles matches for a while. Let her be that attraction I was talking about on the podcast this past week that she truly is. She doesn't need a title. She doesn't need – she just needs a story to tell, which is that she's this unstoppable force. And you can put that against just about anybody. You know, like I I, I really feel that way. And then let her build back into something before you put her back into that title scene again because she doesn't need it. She's been the longest reigning champion ever now. No one's going to top that for a while, I don't think, unless Orange Cassidy just goes yeah, on I don't think tear. anyone's going to top that that length in this company. I, no, I in this company, it. they'll be a world champion at some point. I don't know who it'll be, but it, they'll they'll do that because yeah. that's what every wrestling company does. It's, they're not going to let the, a women's champion be their longest reigning champion. They just won't. You know, It's just not going to happen. But, you know... um, but maybe ABW, maybe AW is different, but I, I just don't see it, you know? Um, but I mean, so, uh, but I mean, I would love that, but I just, I think, I think it'll be for a long time, at least we can say that much, you know, it'll definitely oh, not God, be top. Yeah. So. For, I, for a couple of years, I mean, someone's going to need to build up some fucking feuds soon. So, I mean, you'd have to start like now and no one's gonna, no one's got that cachet right now. So it's, you know, fucking um, FDR's reign 700 days. Let's get it. I'm okay with that. All right. Um, <laughs> have them face everybody three times. I'm cool with it. Um, so it's time we get into the four pillars, four way match. Uh, during Sammy Guevara's entrance, he brings out his cue cards. He hasn't done that in a while. I thought that was pretty neat. Well, he's he fucking heel. If he did it now, we people would just boom out of the building. You know, he, he ends up announcing uh, uh, Ty Mello is pregnant, and he, he gives her a kiss. The, the crowd gives a good chant. You know, he hits the ring. Darby Allen's entrance happens where he's basically. By the way, I love Darby and, and fucking and Jack being like, yo, congrats. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that, was that was so a fun. nice little touch. And, you know, MGF has got the throne. And yeah, so Jungle Boy just had a normal entrance. But um, I'm going to let you take the reins first on this match. Uh, give me your thoughts on it and just everything. All right, let me, uh, sorry, but my notes literally just closed on my phone right, right as you said that to me. I was like, ah, shit. Um, yeah, so, oh, they're having a baby. Yeah, reaction. All right, um, MJF had a fucking incredible entrance to this, being lowered down on a fucking throne of gold to the to the ramp slowly after the lights went out. Just an incredible entrance for MJF. Took the mask, you know, the devil mask off. Had some really, really nice looking gear. I guess I should say like entrance attire, whatever you want to call it. Um... They did a lot of dives. The Joker. Like within 30 seconds, I think all three of the other guys besides MJF had hit a dive move or something like that. Um, it was pretty crazy. Um, there was a really nice sequence from Sammy, which ended him in hitting a excuse me hitting a frog splash at MJF for a near fall. That I was just like really impressed with Sammy in those like 30 seconds where he just like I think he hit like I don't know like a tope or something like that or like a moonsault something something crazy like that then he hit like uh uh like a plancha or something like that over the top like he and then he hit the frog splash like after that or something like that and then it was like he just did a bunch of crazy shit in a row and that was pretty crazy um the probably my favorite spot in the whole match was the four of them hitting their mentors finishers all consecutively in a row that was fucking awesome um 
especially when we had the the crossroads from from MJF, which he just did amazingly, by the way, and sold like crazy by I think it was who he did on Darby or something like that. I don't even know, but like yeah, he did it so well. Oh, and um, I oh actually my other favorite spot in this match because I can have more than one. Damn it, is uh Jack stopping MJF from tapping when they were both caught in submissions. That was awesome because he wanted to win. He said, "Nah, you ain't tapping out yet." You ain't tapping out. Which is also double smart because that means MJF gets even more damage on him because he has to stay in the hold. But anyway, um, and then Charlie, I think they hit about seventy-five Canadian destroyers in a row, um, <laughs> and it was insane. Um, then there was the and then the, the the Canadian drivers or Canadian driver Canadian destroyer sequence ended with one where I think Sammy jumped off of the other two dudes and then hit one or something like that. Or maybe Jack somebody did that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, I thought every section of this match was like super well paced out so that it didn't feel like a 27 minute match, which turned out to be, it felt like just a flow of just spot to spot to spot to spot. And it felt like they knew where they wanted to go with it. Um, MJF eventually does try to pull out the dynamite diamond ring after like faking an arm injury off of a awesome bomb that he hit. Um, and then he pulled out the diamond ring, tried to use it, I believe to take out, I think it was Darby maybe or somebody um which then gets caught in reverse and then i don't remember the exact sequence of events but eventually um after some amount of like chicanery where mjf ended up back in a position where oh i remember what it was so then okay so what happened was mjf got blocked from using the ring rolls out of the ring grabs the title rolls back into the ring as mj i think it was not mjf sorry obviously mjf is the one with the title uh, as as Jack and Darby are both down in the ring, and he's waiting for which one of them is going to get back to their feet. Jack gets back to his feet. He tries to hit Jack. Jack blocks it. Uh, they, he gets sent out of the ring again, and then Jack gets caught by Darby. Darby wants to set him up for a a coffin drop, and as Darby is about to hit the coffin drop, MJF throws the title onto Jack's chest, which then uh Darby lands on. He picks up Darby. Side headlock takeover. One two three crazy ending to the match i probably missed some stuff in there as well i'm sure but like basically that was more or less how the match ended it was just a crazy cacophony of spots at the end i don't know what happened to sammy there at the end i guess he must have been hit by something earlier in the match that i just forgot about like that knocked him out at that point but um it was crazy uh charlie like i i ran through as much as i could remember as much as i had in my notes um yeah what were your thoughts on this match i thought it was really really fun i Um, thought yeah go ahead so so much fun there were so many different stories being told throughout this one match. It it's it's kind of incredible. Every story that they've set up from the past, it it played a part in this match, even up to the very finish of the headlock takeover. Darby Allen's gonna bit, pin MGF one day using that, and it's gonna be fucking awesome. But the most beautiful moment of this match to me, and yes, wrestling can be beautiful was the moment of the mentors. You had Darby hitting Sting's move. You had uh it was it was Jungle Boy hitting Christians like kill switch. MJF with the crossroads and it was just so fucking beautiful. And Sammy Guevara hitting the codebreaker uh, like you said and I just thought that was one of those moments that if if I could highlight one moment from this match that made it feel so special it's it's little things like that. The poetry and motion that they all shared collectively together was just so much. It, it was it was truly an experience, and I gotta say, I, I don't think 
the build to this to this match has not been flawless by any by any means. It's it's had some stumbles. But at the end of the day, when those four guys got in the ring, they knew they could do something special together, and I think they delivered. I think they absolutely delivered. And MJF right now, in terms of match quality, this is the best AEW World Championship run ever. He's three for three with unbelievable matches. And his match with Danielson might be the best world championship match we've ever had. Like it, it's, I, th- I think it is. We, we've had time to settle on that. It's been three months. Yeah. I, I honestly, I'm thinking back like the hangman moment is a big moment, but MJF becoming the, the final pillar being crowned a champion and being crowned world champion on top of that. And MJF finally ascending the mountain and becoming the guy in AEW. That's going to be a historic moment for AEW. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the biggest it's it, if we hadn't just had the Chris Statlander moment, which is still sitting really nicely with me, it would be the biggest title. It would be the biggest, biggest title defense probably in AEW history, but you know, we just ended the longest streak. So that's, again, we'll have to sit on that for a while, but in terms of like best match. Yeah. I don't think anything like what, what can even touch that? I mean, it was so, so well done. So well done. And now you know, uh, I just, where MJF goes from here, I'm sure, you know, they're going to they're gonna do an angle where he doesn't want to work for Bindor. I think he's going to get forced to in, in this quote-unquote angle, and it's going to be a fun little thing we do for the next month. I wouldn't be surprised if someone even as close as Wednesday shows up, because we got guys going back and forth to Japan right now. I saw today Claudio's going to Japan, and something I noted... um that I saw in this news post about it, Shota Umino is considered a member of the Blackpool Combat Club in Japan. So I don't know what that means for us in AEW, but I would say highly expect him soon. Because if he wins titles with Moxley and Claudio, he's going to be featured in AEW. And it's time we jump, we talk about the anarchy in the arena because we got another member of Blackpool, Blackpool Combat Club. They didn't officially say it, but I mean, why else would you do this? To catch the blood for them. First you bleed for them, then you join them. And I'm going to start off the top by saying this. Wheeler Yuta pinned Kenny Omega, and he fucking deserved it. Yeah. Wheeler Yuta deserved that moment. He pinned the fucking, as they the dubbed from Callus, the god of pro wrestling. He pinned the guy that you could pin. And Wheeler fucking Yuta did it. This think this, about Wheeler at last double or nothing. I believe was was he even on the card? I don't. What was he? Or was he was was he on like? I, I don't think he was. So unless nah nah, no, uh, cause the combat club was only two of them. It was it was Eddie, uh, and uh, yeah, Ortiz that's right. They Santana. didn't do the full combat club for Anarchy last time. That's right. So yeah, it, he wasn't even on the card. He was probably there, but he probably wasn't on the card on the card. You know what I mean? Like. Um, and and now and, he's pitting Kenny Omega in the main event of Double or Nothing. You quite literally can't reach higher than that. He literally unless, can't. The only thing you can do now is win the world, world title. Literally, that's yeah. it. Is is that, beat MJF and finishes and finish the you, story. You, you know what I mean? Like you can't pick higher than that. So I know I, had, I know we're starting from the end, but I had to because everything that we've covered for the past month, it, it all led to that. And Takeshita being revealed 
to join the combat club, it leaves us open for the fifth man in the elite. And it's the golden elite. It's fucking Kota Ibushi. He's going to join AEW. And the when he does, we're going to take this to another level. And in turn, you spawn a world championship level single star. And one of the best, as Dax even said it, one of the best 20 tag teams ever was the Golden Lovers. What they did in Japan was fucking incredible. And you're going to end up getting that match. FTR versus the Golden Lovers. It's... I, I can't believe... I know I'm jumping like 18 years ahead, but you, you get what I'm saying. This was the first thing we needed to have happen. Was the Blackpool Combat Club beat yeah, the, the dominoes are starting to fall into place. Yes, this was the first domino that fall had to fall. This is why you and I picked in our predictions for the Elite to lose. Because it just made sense. So let's get into some of the fun of the match. So feel free to chime in whenever. So right away, Violent Idols, the band, um, they are singing Wild Thing on the stage. And unlike last year with the with the uh, the box singing, we got the live fucking band. Fuck yeah. And as you'd expect, the elite meet the BCC in the stands. Nick and Yuta, Matt and Claudio, uh, Hangman and Danielson, and Omega and Moxley are the pairs. Don Callis ends up joining the broadcast table. Um, <laughs> Rick Knox ends up getting clobbered ringside. He's the first person to bleed this match. Hangman lays out Danielson with a buckshot lariat, takes the eye patch off, throws it Bro, to Danielson. At this point in the match, it was so crazy because they kept cutting between all the chaos that was happening and like a really, like, really like, um, uh, what would the word be? Just almost like, uh, just like, what's it the felt word? like anarchy. Anarchy, yes. But like, and there's a word that I'm looking for here that I can't find. Chaotic? Was, yes, but that's not the word that I'm looking for. There was <laughs> like, a, you know, like, um, anyway, the point is like, it was, they kept cutting between all the cameras and it created this sense of anxiety while you were watching it because you were just not sure what was happening. You'd cut to yeah. Rick Knox for a second. Then all of a sudden he'd be bleeding. Then they cut away. Whoever did that knew what they were doing when they wanted to create the sense of, of as you said, anarchy, you know? So that, that was, I just had to say something about that because that was like the first like 10 minutes of this match was like, uh, there I don't know how long the cuts were going like that for, but it felt yeah. like for a while. And every time they cut to something, it was timed perfectly. So the ability for people to be in the right spots at the right time as the camera was about to cut to them so they could do the thing they needed to do so that it could cut away while they were in the middle of something else. That took so much pre-planning that i can't even like this might be like when people talk about cinematic matches they don't realize how much actually goes into planning out like even like a single spot in one of those matches like if you watched the behind the scenes of that harvey compound match i bet you would be shocked at how long it actually took them to film you know because oh yeah when you see how much coordination this takes to do live you realize how much it probably takes to do not live too because they at least have the time to redo it if it doesn't look right but they have to nail it first try and if they don't they just have to move on you know so uh thankfully nothing like that happened in the match but there was all like a lot of moments where there was so many things happening and it was just so hard it wasn't hard to follow it was just hard to keep focused on any individual things because there was so much chaos going on 100 percent and yeah, like you said with the chaos, um, AEW now is is two for two in Anarchy in the Arenas, knocking it out of the park. They were two for two in the stadium stampede. It's safe to say we can trust them in these types of matches. And we knew with the talent going into it, it was going to be awesome. We weren't worried about it being like, you know, hokey or awkward. I'd say even the firm deletion worked for me, man. Yeah, the firm deletion. I trusted it because Matt Hardy's involved and he knows what he's doing with that. He knows it. And 
So I, I don't, I'm not going to hit everything because we could be here for another 40 minutes, but you know, the young bucks super kicking the lead singer to stop the music was a nice little touch. Um, Claudio and Matt. had. Their I gotta little... say, what the fuck are they going to do next year? Cause they can't do the music. They have to do live music again, obviously, but are they going to do the <laughs> same spot again where the guy just take out the guy? I mean, is that what they're going to do? You know what I would like next year? Get somebody like uh get somebody like a harpoon gun and have him shoot the drum set. <laughs> Explode it. Just go have Eddie Kingston set him on fire. That would be awesome, actually. Yeah. I get, thought Matt back Jackson Pyro and Claudio. Yeah. Matt and Claudio had some of my favorite stuff. The swing onto the trash can, then taking him outside and hitting a tombstone on him in the back of a fucking pickup truck. <laughs> I mean, this shit was awesome. Then of course Matt comes back and he's got a fucking a fireworks shoe. Which which turns into him being uh, launched with no shoe on into the thumbtacks. So he fucking steps on him with his bare feet. And then Moxley Dude, his entire heel his was thumbtacks, bro. Oh, that hurts so bad. I mean, did you um, see how his foot was like all like bandaged up at the end, bro? Yeah, that shit hurt. They, I don't oh, think he's walking so right good. for a while after that. Uh, uh, Omega and Hangman coming together finally. Hitting some of their moves that they used to do, uh, Moxley. I mean, the the OG of OG moments for AEW. Moxley launches Omega into a giant poker chip. I mean that that was the fucking that was double or nothing. Twenty nineteen. That's what it was. Moxley debuting, putting Kenny through that fucking poker chip. I mean, that's when this whole fucking thing really kicked into the next gear. And there's a poker chip covered in barbed wire, so Moxley hits a snap suplex with Omega into it. You know, he's stabbing him with a fork. Uh, everyone's bleeding at this point. Kenny Omega's got his Captain America trunks, and he's, you know, he he's using his shield again. <laughs> he fucking uses his shield, but, I mean, God, there's so much good stuff. Uh, Danielson and Omega got their shit in with the Busaiko Nizu, David. Um, yeah, there's so much fun stuff, but the end of the match, so... Claudio uppercuts Matt with when he's got the thumbtacks in his mouth. Yuta hits a German suplex for a two. Omega and, and Hangman, they rise up. They're outnumbered, but they fight off the challengers until Danielson with the dead eye and Omega with the one-winged angel. Yuta makes the save. Omega and Paige hit, the rolling, hit some rolling offense on Yuta. Um, Paige and Omega went for double buck shots. Callus handed Yuta a screwdriver. Paige was hit. Callus was about to be laid out by Omega. A masked man hits the ring, lays him out with a flying knee to Kanosuke Takeshita. You are the chosen one! Yuta got the seatbelt pin on Omega for the win. Holy Takeshita shit. Takeshita has joined the dark side. You were supposed to destroy the Sith, not destroy them. Uh, oh my god, I mean, I, there's so much here. Uh, I, I, what else do you got for me from this? I mean, this just... Just holy moly, Mastacholi, eh? You know, I I I have no idea how they're going to top this again next year. I I don't know. The, the, I oh shit, my phone just like fucking opened up a thing. I need to close that. Anyway, um, but like I have no idea where they're going to go from there from from here with this. I I almost think that maybe that they can't, and maybe <laughs> you just don't for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, um, because like. I think people want this to be a yearly thing, but I don't know how you continue to raise the bar on stuff like this because it's like 
the they did i think about everything you could do to really make it feel different so if we just start running it back you know what i mean like just with different people but not really that different you know what i mean because yeah because i feel like part of why these have worked so far so so well so far is the people you've had in them and i don't think this is just like how wwe viewed stipulations for a long time where you could just throw anybody in them no 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 and and they'll be able to figure something out you know what i mean I think it's one of those unique things where you need a good story and you need something that's been building up for a long time. So I don't know who you ever put back into this and I don't know how you do it because now it's become synonymous with the wild thing. So John Moxley probably has to be in the next one again so they can use that music again. But then how do you do it a third different way besides the two way you've, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, there's things that are concerning to me about the future of this match. I'm glad that we got the two that we have yeah. right now, but I just don't know. It's I'm a little I'm a little concerned about that. That was that that occurred to me multiple times throughout the match. I'm like, but where do you take it from here now? Because you did everything that I thought you might be able to do. Like you know what I mean? Like as they were doing things, I was like okay, I get why they did that. So oh, it's yeah, not the same as last they can, year. They, they're going to elevate it again. I hope just so. Like I hope that I'm just like beat. completely missing a bunch of million things they could have done that I just, but I, I, I'm a little, a little more cynical when it comes to pro wrestling because wrestling likes to just fucking well, do the I same mean, things. In a weird way, you know, Stadium Stampede, both of them featured Chris Jericho's group. The first, um, Anarchy in the Arena, Chris Jericho's group, just under a different name. This is the first one that didn't feature him. And it still felt incredible. You know, we had the inner circle versus the elite with Matt Hardy in the first one. The Inner Circle was the pinnacle. And then last year it was, you know, Black Bull Combat Club versus the Appreciation Society. Now this year it's something different. And whoever they face, they're just going to come up with even more. Now to me, kind of echoing your point, I think this is the perfect combination. So I don't know if it'll ever reach this level again. Because I, I, Anarchy in the Arena is my favorite match last year. This was better. Th- this was better. So... <laughs> there, there's fucking so many more yeah if we hadn't had that iron man match like it you know i think it'd be probably your favorite match of the year right now yeah and it, it might still be I mean, that iron man match is is fucking it's so great too i mean this seriously these these like gimmick matches if you will it, i don't know what it is who's putting it together but clearly they they craft this thing to perfection and I mean, even the Pinnacle one was really good with, uh, you know, having FTR in it and whatnot, MJF and all that. So, but, uh, yeah, what a way to end the show. I do think this was the right call to put it on last. Tradi- uh, the, both stadium stampedes went on last. and But last year it didn't, right? Last year we had a different title go on last. So, it was kind of nice to go back to having this one last. But uh, yeah, I guess, I guess let's just get some overall closing thoughts on the pay-per-view. I mean, I I can't imagine. Uh, we're pr- pretty excited looking forward to the next weeks because now we got forbidden door coming up. We got, we got dominion next weekend, which we're going to, I'm sure we're going to be watching, which is going to be awesome. And then a couple weeks later, we're in Forbidden Door already. Yeah, the final closing thoughts. Uh, zero out of ten, no Roman Reigns uh, as champion. Uh, you know what? You're right. No Roman Broman. There's not a thousand-day champion on this show. It can't possibly be good. Yeah, you know what? <sighs> I, I, hard to argue with facts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 
really good stuff. You should have all seen this coming when Takeshita said the bloodline was the better storyline on BTE. This is true. This is fun. Speaks the truth here, Jedi. So, yeah, that'll be it. Uh, thanks, guys, for checking this out. And if this is you enjoyed this, um, come back next week for Eat Sleep Elite. Or if you are a pay-per-view kind of viewer, come check us out for Forbidden Door. So, we'll appreciate that. And uh, thanks again. We'll uh, catch you on the flip side. And hope you guys also enjoyed Dublin of the 2023. Oh, yeah. My name is-